We're talking about the kingdom of God. There are two things we talked about last night. Um, the first is this, is that the gospel is bigger than we think it is. The good news is more than just you getting a get out of hell free card or um, your personal salvation, you being made right with God. The gospel is larger than that. The gospel is that Jesus is the king. And that he's come not only to give you those things that we talked about, if you trust in him, but also Jesus has come uh, to fix the world, uh, to make uh, the sad things come untrue. And uh, so we began there, and we talked a little bit about how he does this, but also about how um, we sort of have this set up in Scripture of these two kingdoms. Uh, one kingdom is, is the kingdom that Jesus is the king of, the one he's talking about, that it's come, where he's in the center and where we're in the periphery, and we, um, we relate to him as our king in the way we live our lives. The other kingdom is the kingdom that we all begin in, and that's the kingdom where we're at the center, where we think we're the king, and we're in charge of our own lives, and we want to run and do what we want to. And we said that the Christian life is sort of lived in between. And uh, it's difficult. We get pulled back and forth between these kingdoms in our lives. And that can be very hard for us. And I, what I want to do today, both this morning and tonight, is to talk about that living in between. Um, today we're going to talk about uh, what that's like in terms of it just being awkward um, and embracing our awkwardness in the kingdom. And then tonight we're going to talk about um, how it affects our relationships with each other in some kind of unique ways. Um, so if you'll... If you will, let me pray for us, and then I'll read the scriptures. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your kindness this morning to wake us up, um, to let us sing to you, to let us have a conversation with you and worship together. Um, Father, we are um, thankful that this is a safe place for us, and I pray that people in here would feel real comfortable sort of trying on the idea of you being the king and thinking about that and processing it through. Um, I pray that you would help us to consider what it's like to live between these kingdoms this morning and that you would give us grace as we talk about it. And I pray this in Jesus' name because he is the king. Amen. <clears throat> Colossians chapter 1. I'm going to read uh, verses 9 through 14. <clears throat> and so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power, according to His glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered you from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. I have a brother that's five years younger than me, and uh, we're from a small town in South Georgia called McCray. McCray has three churches. Um, one is a John Norris Baptist church that's on TV. Uh, we have a, a very small Presbyterian church and a medium-sized Methodist church in our town. And um, my brother, we, we went to the Baptist church growing up. My brother uh, married this woman named Paula, wonderful lady. And they're getting married and been engaged for a while. And they, uh, 
I'm going to tell you the story of something interesting that happened. We, I, I'm, I'm in the wedding. My, my other brother's in the wedding. We get there early. You know, um, we're kind of having the picture shoot. And they, they're doing the non-traditional thing where they take the pictures beforehand, you know. Um, so we get there, and we're taking pictures. And my brother comes out, and he takes pictures with some of us. And then the pastor comes out, and he's like, okay, um, what we're going to do is we want everybody to kind of go out in the foyer and stand out there because Paula, his soon-to-be wife, is going to come out in a minute and, um, and we want them to have a moment alone with each other before everybody else, you know, sees them. So we all kind of go outside. My brother stays in. And I'm standing with another groomsman, and we're kind of talking, uh, kind of over to the side. And I look, and there's this audio-visual room, you know, where the, they run the TV stuff. And um, there's a monitor on in there. And the monitor, is, is, it has this picture, it's this camera shooting right down to the altar, and I'm looking, and it catches my eye because my brother walks into the frame. Okay, and kind of stops. And then um, Paula, in her wedding dress, walks into the frame. And they kind of look at each other. They kind of caress each other. And then they just start making out in the church. I mean, like, hardcore make out. Hands going everywhere, on the butt. It was really awkward. And, of course, I'm like, holy cow, do you see that? To the other groomsmen, I'm like showing him. And we walk over and we start watching it. And, and we're like, this is incredible. This is really amazing. And all of a sudden, there's a tap on our shoulder. And it's the bridesmaids. And they're like, oh, my goodness. This is fantastic. They start watching it around the thing. And it's getting funnier. And then there's another tap on the shoulder. And it's my parents. And my parents are like, well, okay. And then the grandparents come up and start watching it. And before long, everyone is around this monitor. And we're just kind of like just gawking and my brother making out. So anyway, finally, we give them about five minutes of that and we all go back in and um, they have the wedding later on. And, and my sister-in-law, um, uh, we're ushering and I'm ushering my sister-in-law into the church. And, uh, and, and we're talking as I walk her in and she says, can you believe that they were making out in the church like that before they, you know, before the wedding like that? And I was like, it was, cr- wait a second, you weren't here. How do you know that? And she goes, honey, they were broadcasting that all over town. We saw it on TV. Yes. Fantastic. And so, get this, they put a tape in and like taped it and gave it to him as a wedding gift. It's great. Beautiful story. Fantastic. Now, <clears throat> in a sense, in a sense, that awkward moment, you know, the awkward moment between like, we're not married yet, but we're going to get married in an hour, you know, that's sort of a strange picture of kingdom life for us, you know, where we, we, we're not quite married, you know, we're not, the kingdom has not fully come, you know, the world's not fixed yet. But in a sense, it kind of is. And it's sort of this awkward place where we live. Um, We're sort of living in a tug between these two kingdoms. And it's a a time of awkwardness, kind of like puberty, you know. Um, That's the way it feels sometimes to be between the two kingdoms. Um, I I like to think about it in some senses like where you are in life. Because a lot of you in college are dealing with this really weird feeling where um, 
your parents sort of still like pay for stuff and they're your authority in life, right? And, and you're supposed to honor them and, and love your parents, but you're starting to become more of an independent person, right? And you're starting to make your own decisions and that sort of thing. And so you're caught, you feel tug, the tug in your life, right? Between like my parents are in control, but I'm sort of in control. And gradually you're becoming more and more independent and free from them. But the Christian life is the, the opposite, if you will. It's where you're moving from being independent to being dependent on the king. And so it's just strange and it's just awkward to be living in that place. And um, today, like I said earlier, what I want to do is kind of learn how to embrace that awkwardness, to live in between these kingdoms, to figure out what that's like because it can be very hard. Last night we talked about how it can be a sad place of suffering at times. And I want to talk about how God, um, at least in, in Colossians... Um, gives us both mercy and hope in that middle ground. How he kind of talks us, talks to us about how he wants to be merciful to us and kind to us and show us hope when we're in that awkward place of living between two kingdoms. Um, so I want to look at it under those two headings. I want to talk about the mercy that God shows us in this passage about living in here and also talk about the hope that he gives us in the midst of that awkwardness too. Um, so to begin with, let's look at the first few verses, 9 through 12. Um, of this passage, and uh, we see that um, God shows us mercy. This is actually a prayer um, that Paul is making for the Colossian people. And uh, it begins up in verse 3, um, but then it continues in verse 9, and he's talking about how uh, he wants God to care for them as a church, how he, got, he wants God to care for them. And, and he says two things. The first thing is this. He says, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. It's a prayer. Asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So as to walk in the manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. And so the first kind of way that God shows us mercy in this in-between time is, uh, is that the mercy is seen uh, that he allows us to know the king better. Um, as we live. He talks about knowledge and spiritual understanding, the idea of knowing God. Um, and I want to start there because I want you to see that as you live between these two worlds, your pull is going to be, you know, constant. Like, I want to be the king. I want to make my own decisions. But like we talked about last night, you've got to see the king, the real king, Jesus, um, as a king that not only is good and loving and caring of you, but he wants to know you. Okay. He's a king who wants to know you. And he gives you the ability to know him in a very special way. Um, <clears throat> knowing him can be thought of in different ways. Um, you know, we, knowing him could, could certainly be seeing him for who he really is. You know, we talked about that, what, what he's really like, that he's a God who sets you free. He's a God who um, is willing to give up his own life for you. Um, but also, knowing is, is something else in Scripture. Um, the The idea of knowing is not always this cognitive, rational, like, knowledge that we think about. Um, In the Old Testament, the word to know um, oftentimes means something much deeper and more significant than that. It oftentimes means uh, to have intimacy or closeness. Um, You know, in Genesis, it says, Adam knew Eve and they bore a son. Did you know that? The word is to know. And it's actually talking about sex. Okay, the, word, the knowledge word is meant to point toward it's, it's sexual language, it's intimacy, and that closeness bears out um, uh, a child. And um, it's, it's really interesting because we see the same kind of language here because he's talking about us knowing God 
having knowledge of God. And as we have that knowledge, we bear out fruit. Did you notice that? He talks about living a life, walking, walking in life, knowing, having a life, walking with him, bearing out fruit. And we do that as we connect with Jesus. I want you to see that. Like, oftentimes we think about the Christian life sort of as this, I'm like, I got a list of rules. I'm going to try to do these things. And, um, and as I do them, God will love me more. He'll care for me more, that sort of thing. And that's really a backwards view of, of the way God works. The way God works is, is that in Jesus, in this king, um, we're, we're made right with him. We have peace with God. Um, but, but then the life that we live is a life where we grow and have fruit as we connect to him. As we're connected up with, uh, with the king himself. Um, and so, um, you know, in Ephesians... Paul talks in, in a different book, he talks about how, um, you might have heard this in a wedding, how Jesus, uh, marriage is a picture of the relationship between Jesus, the king, and the church. That they're married, okay? And, um, and what's interesting is that as you think about that, Jesus and the church know each other, they know one another, and as they know one another more, they bear fruit. It's sexual imagery. They, as they know one another more, they bear fruit. And so the idea is that if we are the church, if people who know Jesus and trust him, him as the king, people who have the good news, if we know him, the, the more we know him, the deeper we fall in love with him, the closer and more intimate we are with him, the more fruit we're going to bear out in this world. And by fruit, you know, he, he's pretty clear here what that means. Um, it's, it's fruit uh, of, of a life of grace and mercy in the way you, you, you carry yourself. It's a life where you become like the king in the way that you live and you think and you do. Um, it's really kind of a beautiful thing that he's talking about. And so he's a king that as you know him more deeply, you become like him. And he's also a king that wants you to walk with him. He says, uh, walking in a manner worthy of the Lord means not to walk in some sort of way where I'm really good and everyone knows it. But it's walking with the Lord. It's a walk with him. That you're not living this life in between these kingdoms by yourself. I want to say that again. It can feel lonely as you're moving back and forth. But I want you to know you're not living it alone. That God walks with you as you move through these king, move through this awkwardness of living between the kingdoms. Um, and so I want to talk to you just for a minute about what that means in terms of kind of... If you're, if you're a Christian today and you struggle with this, this is hard for you. Um, you know, what does it mean... Um, to connect with him. What does it mean to connect with the king to know him more deeply? And, you know, <clears throat> what it really means is that you're, you're getting closer to him with your life. That you're drawing near to him. And he's given us ways in the scriptures to do that. Um, there are things like prayer, um, worship, like we're doing today. Um, things like uh, reading your Bible, uh, hearing people preach on the Bible. Things like fellowshipping with other Christians. As you do those things, there's sort of places where God's grace dwells. And as you draw near to him in those ways, he begins to change and make you different. He begins to, to make you a different person. Um, and the difficulty is this. is you know In my time with students, um, one of the consistent things that I heard from them was that they felt like they didn't have that closeness. You know, and it makes you drift back over toward your own kingdom when you feel that way. And... Um, and that's difficult. Uh, you know, I, I bet if I polled the room today and I asked you guys, how many of you feel really close to Jesus? How, how many of you feel intimacy with him? Most of you are going to say you don't. Um, and that's true for me too in a lot of ways. Um, and so the question is, is like, 
how do I do that? I mean, how does that begin to happen in my life? Um, how do I move closer to him in that way? Um, and I think a lot, of, a lot of the ways that we approach that um, are, are kind of destined for failure. I mean, think about the way that um, you've probably learned to spend time with God. I wake up in the morning, I spend 10 minutes or 15 minutes reading and praying, and that's what I do, right? Or before you go to bed, you do something similar, right? And what's crazy is if you did that with any other relationship in your life, what would it be like? It would suck immeasurably. You know, you would not be friends for very long if you, if you took them. You know, imagine, I like to ask people this question. Um, if, if you were married and you treated your, you, your relationship with your wife or husband was like your relationship is with Jesus now, what would your marriage be like? It would probably suck. And it's because you don't, we, we tend to not want to treat Jesus like a person in our relationship with him. In drawing and connecting with him, we don't think of him that way. We think of it's some sort of rational idea that I'm trying to connect with and understand better. And the bottom line is that Jesus is a person. He's a person. And our call is to connect with him as a person. So think about the way you connect with people. How do you do that relationally? What does that look like in your life every day? And then try to apply that to what it looks like to connect with Jesus. I think you're, you, the one thing that you're going to have to certainly do is if you want to connect with the king, then you've got to start thinking about how you do that all day. About how all of your life is spiritual. How you can listen to music with the king. Or how you can watch television shows with the king. Or how you can eat with the king. Or you know, how, how, the, he, how he is affecting your life and how you're relating to him on a daily basis. I mean, and I found it's, it's kind of freeing in a sense. Like, you know, I'm not locked into this. I've got to have this pattern of relating to Jesus by getting up every morning and spending. Fit. You need that. Certainly Jesus models that for us with the, with the Father. But the truth is, is that we've got to think about our devotional lives. We've got to think about our connecting with the King in a much broader way. Like, what does that look like? Does that mean that, you know, um, I listen to sermons? You know, like one thing I'll do is I'll go running in the park and I'll listen to a sermon once a week. That's helpful. Sometimes it means just taking a walk and praying. Um, sometimes it means when you're in your car, you turn the flipping music off and you talk to him. It also means that like when you're going through difficult things in your life, that you don't run. You, you talk to the king. It means when... Um, it means in everyday life that he becomes part of everyday life and what you're doing. So I want you to think about that. You know, meditate on that a little bit about what your connection with the king is like. So he gives us uh, sort of this ability to know him, and we should take advantage of that. Um, that's one of his mercies to us. Another one of his mercies to us is that he gives us strength when we're very weak people. Look at what it says uh, later on in the, in, in the passage. He says, so as, um, uh, verse 11, So you may, may you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who's qualified you to share in his inheritance. Um, our power... In life, to deal with things, hard things, comes from being connected to Him. I want you to understand that. If you try to handle things in your life between these kingdoms on your own, you're probably going to fail. The way, we, the way we move toward Him, toward His kingdom, is to connect with Him. Uh, connecting with Him uh, in, our, in, in, in the ways that we've talked about. It's sort of like plugging in. If you don't plug in, uh, there's no power. Uh, you feel pulled, you, you automatically get pulled back into your kingdom. Uh, and so the call is to connect with the King in that sort of way. And we connect with Him, like I said, in worship and prayer and those sort of things. Um, now, what's harder about this 
is, is that sometimes the other way that God, um, we drift toward our kingdom over here. And the problem is, is that sometimes the way God moves us back to himself, the king moves us back to himself, is through suffering. He talks in this passage about um, him, him changing us and it being an enduring and patient process. That we have to endure things. We have to move back toward him. And, and, and sometimes suffering is the way that God does that. Um, in my time with students and spending time with them and talking to them about growth in the Christian life, it's almost universal that when I talk to people, they say that there's two times in their life when they grow the most as Christians. Um, one time is when they become Christians initially, when they're converted. They feel like there's great change and growth in their life. And the second time is when they suffer. That's when they grow the most. And that's because... Um, there's a guy named um, Richard Rohr that I read sometimes. And um, Rohr is helpful because he talks about how each one of us as people sort of have this part of us that's true and real. Um, that Who we are and we're connected up to the king in, in, our, in who we really are. And this is sort of like who you are underneath your masks. Who you are underneath your pretense. And, you know, not, you know, this, this part of you that a lot of times you don't want people to see. But it's kind of who you really are. And Rohr says that on the outside of that, on the periphery of that, are all these masks and pretenses that we carry on in our lives. You know, we want to look this way so people will think things of us. We want to act this way so people will think well of us. And Rohr says what happens is that um, God will begin to disintegrate the outside, the masks and the pretense, with suffering. He'll take those things away as you suffer. And as you begin, it, it kind of unravels you as you really are. You have, it's sort of like you, you're, you're stripped naked. And when that happens to you and you see yourself as you really are, you naturally move toward the king. Um, because there's nowhere else to go. Uh, there's just nowhere else to go. Um, so suffering is a way, I want you to understand that suffering in between these two kingdoms, I think this was hard last night when we talked a lot about this, is that um, sometimes it can seem like, well, the Christian life just sucks. I, well, why would I want to do this? Why, you know, why do I want to live, you know, if, if everything's going to get fixed later on, then why do I want to live here in this suffering? This is miserable. And what I want you to see is that sometimes suffering, I think almost all the time in the Christian life, suffering is actually God's mercy to you. That God is being kind to you when you suffer. Now, it never feels that way. But that he uses suffering to move you to be dependent on him. And that hurts, but it's good. Um, I was talking to a friend earlier this summer about how um, when we're sad, we feel melancholy, you know. And, um, and, and I think melancholy in this life is probably closer to what we should really be like than happiness sometimes. Because when we're melancholy and when we're broken, we feel dependent. We want help. We crave intimacy with someone that will make us right. And that's good. That's how you're meant to be. You know, the, the Christian life is, when you, when you grow as a Christian, it's, it's not about becoming better. It's about becoming more dependent. And that's difficult. But that's what you're meant to be. One day you're, you're going to open your eyes in the new kingdom and you're going to be dependent. You're not going to be this independent person anymore that stands in the midst of your own kingdom. You're going to be different. You're going to be changed because of that. And so embrace that. Uh, you know, embrace the idea that um, your life now 
the suffering and the difficulties you go through now may actually be God being merciful to you and being kind to you in your life. Um, that's, that's hope in the midst of very difficult things. And that leads us to the last thing I want to talk to you about. Well, God shows us mercy in this in-between, but he also shows us hope in this in-between. Um, and, and there's a hope that he's going to move you. He says in, the, uh, in verse uh, 13, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. So there's this moving that happens in your life that Jesus, when, he, when the king comes in and he meets you and you trust him, you are, in a sense, moved to the other kingdom. Even though you feel this tension that you are part of his kingdom, it's coming to bear on your life. And, he, it, 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 it's, um, and, and it feels like suicide to leave your own kingdom sometimes. It just, it just hurts. Um, and, and we think, why would I not want to be the sinner? Why would I not want to be here? Um, but moving us, in moving us, he's giving us hope of what real life is like. Life without feeling empty. Um, because in this kingdom, where you're in the center, you're lonely. I mean, loneliness pervades a self-centered kingdom. Um, you have this false sense of being in control, and then when things spiral out of control, when someone dies, when you're on an airplane that's about to crash, no matter what it is, you begin to see that this is unraveling. This is not what I'm really like. Um, you're left with this sense of self-righteousness, that like, your goodness is what's maintaining uh, your relationships with the people and your relationship with God, and it's just a lie. It doesn't work. You're left with this um, idea of consuming, that everything's about you getting what you need in your kingdom. And manipulating other people, your relationships become either an opportunity for you to get people to do what you want them to do so you can advance your kingdom, or relationships become this way um, where people become a blockade to your kingdom, and you have all sorts of conflict in your life. And so, this life is not a hope-filled life. The life where Jesus is the king is the life of hope. And he moves us there. He moves, he pushes us there. And it hurts, but it's good. It's good for us. And I also want to say lastly that it's it's not a hope um, just in the future. There is hope now for us as Christians. There's a hope now for us who trust him as the king. Um, It's easy to think that all our hope is in the future and that the king is going to fix the world then, but there's hope now. He says it here. Listen to what he says at the very end. Um, He says, He's delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have now redemption and forgiveness of sins. What does he mean when he says we have redemption? He means that right now, if you trust in the king, if you've turned and you're part of this kingdom, then you're forgiven of your sins. The things you've done to hurt other people, the things you've said, the things you've thought um, that are so self-centered that, that were part of your kingdom, God, it actually says that He's cast them as far as the east is from the west. Listen to this imagery that the Bible talks about in terms of your sin. He cast them as far as the east is from the west. He remembers them no more. He's thrown them into the depths of the sea. He's turned his back on them. He's blotted them out with ink. He remembers them no more. How amazing. That's now. That's hope now. That you have peace with God. That God has made you right with him. And that you can live your life in freedom because your, your sins are not held against you anymore. You have been redeemed. Um, And that right now you're being changed. That if you know the king, you're not going to be the same tomorrow. You're not going to be the same in a month. You're not going to be the same in a year or two years or five years or ten years. He's making you into something beautiful. The king is at work now in giving us hope in our lives. 
And how does that happen? It happens as you get close to him. I want to reiterate that as we close. That Today I want to encourage you that if you want to, it, the key to living in this awkward place is to move toward the king. Is to get near him. Um, there was once a, a pastor, a long time ago, and uh, one of his congregants came over to his house and they were talking and the congregant just talked about how you know he felt distant from God. Um, he felt disconnected. He stopped going to church. It became a, Life was just really hard for him. He felt miserable and sad. And the, he said, I don't know what's wrong with me. And the pastor just kind of looked at him for a moment and he walked over and took a pair of tongs and reached into the fireplace and pulled out a coal, really hot one in the middle, and he brought it over and he dropped it on the stone floor in front of the man. And he just stood there. And slowly the coal began to you know, go from this bright red hot to kind of cooling off and became you know, lighter and then finally grayed out and just kind of poofed on the floor in a sense. It was just a little white coal that was left there. And uh, he looked up at the man after watching it and he said, that's you. And that's the king. And you've pulled yourself away from him. But, and he reached down and picked the coal up with his hand and flung it into the fire. And they watched it. And it slowly began to glow again. And slowly began to heat up again. And change. And he said, that can be you if you draw near to the king. And I want you to know the same thing. Get near the fire. That's your hope in the Christian life. To get near the fire. To get near the sun. To draw near to the king. And as you do so, you won't be the same. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your kindness to us. Uh, to give us mercy and hope in the in-between. Um, in this awkward time of living on this earth where things are broken and are frustrating and sad to us at times. Would you help us, Lord, um, in the midst of our own individual lives where things are um, falling apart, where there are messes, the broken relationships and sadness and frustration. Would you help us to see that the answer is not to do better, but the answer is to draw near to you. And that as we do so, we pray that you would show us great mercy and hope in this world as you begin to fix it and move us towards something better. And we pray this in Jesus' name because he's the king. Amen.